seconds left. Boston only has a one-point lead. Greer is putting the ball on a play. He gets it out deep and Havlicek steals it. from the parking lot, and Vermont has a 59-55 lead. Swung line drive, let's see him. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! It's showtime. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and sports enthusiasts from around the world. This is the podcast you have all been waiting for. Whether listening in the car, on your morning drive, or with one earbud in at the office, this is the sports show that has it all. From pro wrestling to the octagon, from the gridiron to the baseball diamond, from the pitch to the ice, it's all here. You have tuned in to Mount Sterling's most downloaded podcast that drops on Saturdays at 3 a.m. This is not your average podcast. This is From Corner to Corner. And now, here are your hosts. Sean Big Papa Kuyper, Wes Redman Crouch, Adam Big Country Muncie, and Neil Mulletman Payne. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of From Corner to Corner podcast. Adam, Sean, and Neil here with you tonight. And uh, we got a little special guest tonight. We had a newly hired coach in our Montgomery County Sports, and since we'd already uh, dropped our regular coaches show, we thought, ah, why not bring him on the regular show? Wes is on vacation, so we got a special guest. He's going to be better than Wes. <laughs> definitely. Guaranteed to be better. <laughs> Guaranteed. You know Wes Crouch. Oh, absolutely. Well, you're definitely already better than him. So and, we- and a lot younger. <laughs> so I'm a- looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're definitely better looking. So we have the new boys golf coach Michael McCormick with us tonight. Michael, thanks for joining us. Woo! Appreciate your Absolutely. So, Michael, why don't you, uh, for those that don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself? As mentioned, my name is Michael McCormick, born and raised here in Mount Sterling. Attended uh, school here, uh, played varsity golf, fifth grade on, moved forward, played collegiate golf at Georgetown College, um, went on to pursue a career in counseling as a therapist, uh, worked there for a few years, eventually left that role to spend more time with the family at the birth of my second child. Uh, we moved back to Mount Sterling probably 10 years ago, been there since. Uh, this is where we wanted to raise our kids. Um, so super excited about the opportunity uh, that I've been given. Uh, I have very high expectations <laughs> of myself. And for the golf program, yep. so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm itching for the season to start. So when does your season start? July fifteenth, 
just like the false corpse. Um, so basically, like everybody else, after dead period, it's hey, let's get correct. it on. I, we're going to look to try to do some uh, some open practices just to kind of get kids out. I want to start seeing faces. You know, I know I've, I've spoken to some of the returning players. We we've got a good group of kids coming back. Uh, you know, for the most part, we're young, so I'm super excited about the talent returning. I think the previous coaches, um, I can't give them enough credit. I know Kevin Lawson, Colin Jones, they've done a great job, you know, building a great foundation. I'm really looking forward to kind of stepping in and just kind of building on that. But uh, we'll, we'll try to get some kids out after dead period is over. Uh, that way I can kind of start building relationships. So is this something that, like, you saw the opportunity and you pursued it, or was you kind of approached going, hey? A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, when I first heard about it, it was just something that kind of was like a seed was planted a little bit. I, you know, I've, I love golf. I was born into it. It's in my blood. Uh, I haven't played as much in the past seven or eight years, just busy with work and kids. But, you know, two years ago, I, I started coaching my son in Barson Rec basketball. And something about coaching young athletes fills a void that left when I walked away from counseling. I feel like my calling in life was to work with, with kids, young adults who are struggling. Something about coaching, it, it gives me that same sense of purpose. So the opportunity to coach golf at the high school level, to take a program and to build it the way I want to build it with the expectations to year in, year out, compete at a high level for state tournament titles is something that I just I, I couldn't pass up. Well, and, you know, coaching high school men or young young men, yes. that counseling is going to play into that too because we all know the, the challenges that the, the kids today are, are facing as they go through high school. And I that that's a perfect background for you to be able to kind of fill in with that role there. I agree. And that's, like I said, that's what, what draws me to this. Um, I see myself, my role is more than just a coach. Um, you know, I set the standards very high for what I expect from my players, but I also want to be a role model, you know, a mentor in everything I do every day. You know, and I tell my kids on the basketball court, all I ever ask of you is you give me your very best effort, whatever that is every day. And when I ask that to my kids, you know, I expect it from myself too as a coach. So, when the players and the parents, as they get to know me and we build relationships, one thing they will know about me is when I commit to something, I'm all in. And, you know, I will be all in for this golf program. You know, I'm, I'm super excited. So you have inherited a pretty successful uh, boys golf program. So there has to be some excitement about that, right? A lot of excitement. Um, like I said, we've got seven to eight kids coming back from last year's team. It's going to be super competitive environment. I'm trying to get out as much as much word to the community to build as much interest and excitement to get new kids to come out. Um, I'm looking for the 10 best golfers that this county has to offer. You know, that's going to be my start. I don't have any eligibility left. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I probably wouldn't be in the 10 best anyway. <laughs> but also, ideally, for the, long, for the long term, you know, I'm also looking to build the pipeline. I want young kids out. My team, it's my understanding of the bylaws, is seventh grade and up can compete in high school. I want seventh and eighth graders out there for tryouts. You know, 
if they're good enough, I want to get them in the pipeline, start building that relationship, you know, start developing. That way, when we have seniors leave, we feel right in and we keep moving forward. Because, like, when I say competing for state titles, I'm 100% committed that within five years, that's where our program will be. And if if we're not there, it will not be from lack of trouble. So, just newly on the job, are there any kids that you know about that you have, like, do you have any solid golfers already on the team? Absolutely. You've got Brett Markham coming back. You got Ian Dennis coming back. You got Owen Letcher coming back. All three of those were in your top five from last year. You've also got four or five others that are going to be coming back. You can kind of see what kind of improvements they made over the previous 12 months. But if they did, I think we're, we're, we're set. We've got ourselves set up for success right away. Awesome. A lot of the coaches that we've had on the show over the last couple of months since we started doing this, the mainstay that they have had, especially on our soccer coaches where they've had sustained success, Coach Spoonamore where he's had sustained uh, sustained success, is exactly what you just touched on. It's not yeah, it's not kids starting as sophomores. It's the kids coming up. You know, we just had. Uh, on our coaches show with with uh, Tanya Witt, she had a couple of her AAU players on there. They were both eighth eighth graders, and they're competing up in 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 rank. So the, the teams that they're playing against, the girls that they're playing against, a lot of them are older than them. But as they move through this process, they're only going to get better. And you have to have the kids. I mean, one of the one of the bass fishing teams. Had a kid that was in middle school won one of the state tournaments. Austin Hatton. Austin Hatton, yeah. So that's where it's at now. The drive is you got to get those kids at the younger ages because by the time they're ready to contribute, they've had all the hard stuff behind them, right? So you're right. In order to build that five year program, you got to have the kids that are starting to learn to play golf now. Oh, I agree. I think what Chris has done with the growth program has been phenomenal. You know, good about golf. Golf is it can be very black and white. You know, if you can shoot a score, you know, you're on your spot in the top five. It doesn't matter if you're seventh grade, yeah. eighth grade, or what. It's a team sport, but it's also an individual thing. Right. Right. So let's say that I have a lot of kids. Let's say my 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 third grader comes to me and says, "Dad, I'd like to play golf." How does a kid get started playing golf? We're going to start working on a way to offer kids clinics. To, we've had a lot of people reach out over the past week to myself, to my wife. I've got a kid. They want to play golf. I don't know anything about it. What do I do? So it's been a whirlwind the past five, six days trying to get caught up on everything. So I've, I've talked to our booster president. We're going to make um, a commitment towards trying to offer more resources to kids in the community that want to play, don't know how to get started. We're going to try to look to a kid's clinic at some point during the season. I don't know where we're going to fit it in yet. But we're going to do something. And I think once I get this first season under me, we get into next spring, next summer, we'll hit the ground running, try to offer more, and just keep building as we move forward. Right. So you said earlier that KHSA talks about uh, seventh grade now, but you mentioned in your intro that you got to play as a fifth grader. They must have changed that rule. They must have changed it. <laughs> you must have been he, too good. He was too good was as a fifth grader. So, <laughs> As a fifth grader, how kind of intimidating was that to be a part of the of a high school golf program, to be a part of a high school team as a fifth grader? 
good thing for me at that point is I was already playing in, you know, high-level competitive golf. A lot of the players on the team I already knew. Um, coach was Chili Ishmael. A lot of people listen to podcasts annoying. Yeah. So it was very laid back, relaxed atmosphere. I remember I was the last person to make the team. Uh, the last day it came down to the, the final nine holes. But like I said, I, I was ready. I, I played a lot of golf probably from since I could walk. But, um, and, you know, speaking to, you know, this team and our tracks, like, kids need to understand when they come out for the golf team, this is going to be a highly competitive environment. And that's what I want. I right. want the kids to understand that everybody will not make the team, but I still want you to come out. Right. Come out, meet me. I want to do a skills assessment for all players that were not on the team last year just to kind of see where you are. And if you can pass the basic skills assessment, we're going to do a 36-0 tryout to establish our top 10. If kids are kind of close, there's kind of tiebreakers there at the end, you know, I want to try to keep, you know, three to four to five more for developmental purposes, you know, and keep moving forward. But it is, it's, uh, I think, that, like I said, in order to have a team that competes year in and year out for state tournaments, you have to have a highly competitive environment, you know, and, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I was just going to say, is is 10 the most you can have on a roster? No. That's what I was going to ask. No, no. I can have a big of a roster as I want. 10 is kind of a magic number because you get, you, you're playing five-man teams. So you can have an A team and then a five-man B team. Um, and and I, that, that number kind of comes. I've, I've kind of reached out to previous coaches just asking about how do they build their team. It seems like ten to twelve is kind of that magic. When you get more than that, it just you kind of kind of trying to give kids enough of your personal time to help right. them develop. It's kind of what you you're trying to balance. You're trying to develop your A team, your B team, you know. So and the, and then the the other four or five developmentals. If somebody gets hurt, is, is one of them fill in? Is that kind of how that would work? Correct. And then also, once we get into the season, you know. Kids that maybe didn't qualify for the A team to begin with, or maybe qualified on the C team, kids are going to have opportunities to work their way up. Yeah. So the kids that make the A team to start aren't just given that role for the rest of the season. Everybody has to keep working. Everybody has to keep pushing and getting better. So. So it's fluid. So it is. And, and and I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a kid makes the A team and qualifying, but then scores ninth best scores consistently. You're like. I can't keep you on the A team if you're scoring like this, you know. Well, I think for one, it just it. I'm all about accountability. I think that holds kids accountable. You show up to practice. You know, you show up. You're committed to work. You know, you're, you're honing your craft. If you're given a spot on the team, but you're never pushed to get better, you, you can get lazy. Yeah. But it also gives the kids on the B team, the C team, motivation. All right, coach says if I keep coming to work. I keep putting in, you know, I'm improving my game. I can work my way up. So it's it's just about creating competition, and I think competition breeds success. So you talked about this skills assessment. As somebody who is a self-proclaimed terrible golfer, I more or less hack at the ball, and I hope that it goes some semblance of forward. What would the skills assessment look like? It'll be a combination of short game skills, chipping, putting. I want to see what the putter in the hand. I want to see you take some 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 wedge shots. 
I'm going to take you out on the course. I want to see you hit some mid-range irons, some long-range irons. I want to see you hit your driver. It may be 25 to 30 shots. Basically, what I'm looking for is if you just have basic fundamental skills so that I know if I send you out on the course to play 9 or 18 holes, you, know, you can kind of compose yourself and keep yourself together. Awesome. I wouldn't do very well. We'll put you on the development team. <laughs> Listen, I would probably be like the developmental developmental team. <laughs> so so you mentioned about kids working their way up. And the first thing that popped in my head was like drumline. How if you wanted to take somebody's spot, you had to challenge them. Are you going to do the same thing? I am. Like I'm a still, nine-hole challenge? I'm still working on the details of it. The way our schedule is set up, it's very front-loaded. It's, it's going to be hectic. So once I can kind of get into the middle of the season, I'm going to create a challenge system so that kids can challenge the player in front of them. So I may have a ranking system. You know, if I have 12 kids, one through 12, based upon scores and other factors. So maybe on a Thursday, we'll practice Monday through Thursday. Maybe on a Thursday, that's challenge day. Wednesday, you let me know, coach, I want to challenge this player in front of me. Thursday, they go out, they play head to head. Whoever wins moves up, you know. So it's more competition. I love it. I think it's a great idea. Hey, look, like we said a while ago, it is an individual sport. And that gives them that sense of fear slash competition without it being an actual, you know, you know, counting game, so to speak, as far as, you know, competition wise. I, I love that, that aspect of it because – you know, if you're the kid in 10th spot right now, you're on one of the top two teams. You got that 11th guy challenging you. That's the difference in you playing this week and not playing this week. I agree. Like I said, it keeps everybody motivated. It keeps everybody accountable. So, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're showing up to practice, you're putting in the time and the effort, you know, more than likely your, your game's going to be sharp. But if you're not, you know, you get a little lazy, kid behind you is going to come up and take your spot. So, well, you know, much like a golf tournament, now not only are you, it's you against the course, right. but it's you against the guy behind you, too. Yes. And I mean, we saw this weekend at the U.S. Open, Ricky Fowler had a great couple opening days, and then Sunday comes, and it's like, where'd Ricky Fowler go? You know, because he, of course, he's playing at a level that I could only imagine how difficult it's to play at. But golf is such a mental game. Yes. How do you, as a coach, Make sure that your that that your kids have the right mindset. I think a lot of that falls back on my ability to build relationships. Um, first and foremost, as a coach, that's my main focus is to build relationships with my players. Once I do that, I rely a lot on my experience as a golfer playing in high pressure situations nothing can prepare or replace real life experience absolutely but golf is such a mental game i know what it's like to have successes and failures i know what it feels like to walk off a course feel like i'm on cloud nine can't wait to get to the next day i know what it feels like to walk off a golf course and wonder if i'm ever going to be able to play good again <laughs> right <laughs> Trying to help young players with the mental side of the game, I think, will be my strongest suit. Awesome. 
And a lot of that falls back, like I said, personal experience, and then also my experiences working as a counselor. I'm a big proponent as a coach in positive reinforcement and pushing kids outside of their comfort zone, but doing so in a way so that if they do have a failure and face adversity, you got to be ready to be there and help show them how to get up and push through. Right. And I'm big about building confidence. Golf is such a game of confidence. Like that's a lot of times what sets a winner from a loser is when you believe in yourself, golf becomes much easier. When you lose that, it's a, it's a whole different game. So you had talked about teams and five man teams. Is it so you all go out and play in Woodford County? Is it a team score? Is it an individual score or is it a combination of both? Like how, how, how would you win that tournament? It'd be a combination of both. The, 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 the team side of it, you take five guys, best four scores count. So lowest team total wins, but you also play in an individual tournament okay. at the same time. So okay. they give out a team award and individual. Okay. So there's a team winner and an individual winner. Correct. Okay. There's a lot like that in bowling. My daughter was on bowling. They would be whatever. It, it depends on how many players each school had, but either four or three on a team and the, the bottom score was eliminated. They take the three highest scores across the board on that. Yes. So. Oh, you want me to ask something? I, I thought you was going to – you had that look on your face. I always have this look on my face. I'm always ready to talk. So, have you ever tried the Happy Gilmore shot? I have a couple of times. <laughs> I mean, I had to ask. He's I, the think, golf I think everybody does it at one point or another. I can barely hit it standing <laughs> there, let alone take a run and go and try to hit the thing. As a golfer – Couple questions, not high school related. What is your favorite professional tournament to watch? And if you had to put a four man team together, you and three other people, who are you picking? It could be anybody. It don't have anybody. to be golfers. Can it be you three? Or no? it, it could it be could if you want to lose. I mean, <laughs> I hope we're not keeping score. Favorite tournament, it's, it's pretty close tie between the Masters and the US Open. Uh, those are the two tournaments that I grew up. You know, I, 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 live, I love watching the weekend at the Masters. And then the U.S. Open is just such a test of, you know, the physical and the mental state of a golfer. That's, you know, the Sunday at the U.S. Open, I think, may be the most hardest round of golf. Um, if I had to put three. Can we put John Daly in the group? For you, we'll put John Daly in the group. Yes. I mean, it's hard not to go. Right now, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Rory. I like what he's what he's doing for the game. I like I like his position in the game. Uh, he, he's kind of stepped in out as, as Tiger is kind of taking a step back from the game. I feel like Rory is trying to, to move himself up and then, and take over a leadership role. And I, I love his game. He's he's probably shorter than me. Weighs about the same as me, but he gets it 380 yards. He's, it's, it's it's phenomenal right. how much power he can generate. And, um, you know, I know Tiger's hurt. He's out. So, I mean, otherwise, I would, I would probably include him. But uh, if I had to go with, with, with another one, I would probably go with uh, Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a that's a solid that's a solid foursome. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you look with uh, no another thing about with golf. If, if anybody looks at Ricky Fowler and Brooks Koepka, perfect examples of guys that were on top of the world. You know, then you have a two, you have a, a year or two stretch where you, you fall completely apart. You deal with, you know, with medical issues, and then to, to see them just kind of to, to grind it back and put it back together. You know, it's it's. it's really I was rooting so much for Ricky yesterday, oh, and it's like you know he's in a great position. He's not won a major. Here we are, you know. So like the whole day, uh, you know, being Father's Day, you know, it's supposed to be whatever you want to do, but it never works that way. Uh, but I was like at five thirty. I'm I'm going to my chair and I'm checking out and I mean so I watched all you know from the time him and uh, the guy that won I can't think of his name now the guy that won it uh, I watched you know the whole all all the way through no, and Clark. yeah Wyndham Clark thank you um, and you talk about a mental thing you talk about the U.S. Open and it's like Wyndham Clark had one birdie and one bogey he started at, ne- at minus ten ended at minus ten. And and uh, Fowler just never could get the putt to fall yesterday, and then of course Rory McIlroy made a run, but those last three or four holes, nobody was par was about the best you could get. Nobody was scoring on those, and once he didn't get that putt on fifteen, it was like, and and, and unless Wyndham Clark has a bogey somewhere, he's not losing. Because there was no scoring opportunities those last three holes. Well, some of the saves that Clark made yesterday. Oh, know, he was just—he was, was such a gritty round yeah. for him. And, you know, you, you go back and look what he's experienced. You know, was he lost his mom at nineteen to cancer? He even, you know, voiced—he's his own worst enemy out there. Yeah. So for him to show up and do that, and, and, and that was only his seventh major he played in. Well, he just won so, his first PGA tournament, I think, a month ago. Yeah. So yeah, the, the way he won, I, you know. He, and the money has changed oh, because they they made the comment yesterday that he's won seven million dollars in his first two wins, which is the most ever for someone in their first two wins. Of course, you know they had to raise that 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 bag a little bit. So, what do you think about PGA and Live merging together? I'm still out on that. I I think it for the betterment of the game to get the best players in the world back on the same course, I think it will be best. It's going to be interesting to see how when all the details come out. Uh, I didn't particularly care for, for live and how it just came together. I don't know. It just felt a little bit wrong, but uh, I, I think, you know, in the next five years, a lot of it will kind of get washed on the bridge and go away. And as long as the best, you know, the best players are on the same course, I think that's the best thing for golf. So we talked about, you know, you got players like, you know, Rory and Brooks and Tiger kind of start that, like, the, you know, it's no more John Daly's going out there than just, I mean, you, it's a lot of, a lot of training, a lot of workout. Are you going to incorporate some of that in your program? 100%. They, the modern day golfer is an athlete. You know, I've already spoken with an athletic trainer. She has experience working with the UK sports team. She's going to help me put together an off season strength and conditioning program. I don't know how that's going to look yet. Also, I'm still learning rules about you know what's voluntary, <laughs> what's not. But anyway, I tell you what, I'm I am going to make sure if a player wants to become the best golfer they can be, I want to make sure they have access to every resource that I can get, whether it be swing coach, strength and conditioning in the off season, whatever it is, you know, we'll be all in on it. Awesome. Well, I mean, in, is it it's Bryson DeChambeau that looks like a linebacker, right? He, he, they can hit the ball like 400 yards. 
I don't think my players are going to look like him. But, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll but, but I mean, and, and Brooks Kepka is a big muscular dude, too. So. Now, how much opportunity is there uh, to play at the collegiate level? And is there is there monies out there for kids that that uh, are qualifying can, and can play at that level to earn scholarships? Absolutely. There's a significant opportunity for up-and-coming golfers to get scholarships, whether it be D1, D2, D3, NAI, a lot of our, golf is, I think, prime for young athletes who, who are interested in the game to get involved, you know, get working now, start start getting your resume put together. Absolutely. And that's that's another thing that I didn't mention earlier. I mean, the, the opportunity to help players achieve that goal. Getting to college, playing collegiate golf—it's you know—it's it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I mean, the first one—you know—the first player that you get to 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 go to college and get signed and stuff like that—that'll be a special day, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're never going to forget the first one. Yes. So, um, I know uh, Coach Spoonamore mentioned that the ladies host host a a, a tournament in August. Uh, here, that's like a big thing that they do here. Does the boys have anything like that as well? Do we host a big tournament here as well? Or we do September 9th, Garber County Invitational. Uh, we here at Our Shields, and then right now we're also tentatively scheduled to host Regions, which will be two weeks later. That's a big opportunity for us. We'll, we'll, we'll be familiar with the course. Like I said, I think we'll have a very competitive team. Hosting the region on your course puts you in a good spot to get the state tournament. So I'm. Um, I'm excited. Now listen, we're not Jim Nance or anybody, but if you need us there to broadcast the tournament. Hello, friends. You have the invitation. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so you do a good Jim Nance. Thank you. Well, that's that's all I got is the hello, friends. Uh, so unlike basketball or football where the, where the dimensions are all the same, everybody's court is basically the same, everybody's football field is basically the same, not everybody's golf course is the same. So how do you work, you know, let's say you're going to, I mean, Clark County's not that far away, but let's say you're playing at the course in Clark County. Some kids just can't get over there during the week or whenever. How do you, how do you prepare your guys for that? Good thing is a lot of the courses that we'll play this season, I've played growing up. Okay. I'm familiar with a lot of courses. But there will be times, and this happens to any player, you're going to have to walk out on the course first time. A lot of that will fall back on preparation. You know, I can't say that when you prepare on the range, on the putting green, that prepares you to play golf regardless of what course you step onto. So all the hard work is done up front. You know, I can work them through, and that's part of the mental game too, is course management. Understanding what kind of course you're going to be playing on, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Like I said, I think that'll be a strong suit of, of with me as a coach as well. Awesome. I, I was I was sitting here thinking about that. I was like, I would, you know, you talk about how big a how big a uh, opportunity is for us to host region, and automatically I was like, so that puts everybody else at a disadvantage because if they don't come to the tournament, and and we probably already know the teams that are going to be in that tournament. So if if it's somebody that didn't get to participate in that tournament, they maybe have never played our golf course before. Absolutely. It is the. I know this sounds like a silly question, but it, it's really not because one thing I figured out, not all the regions and district, you know, are, are all the same. Is our region in, in golf 
pretty much the same as 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 basketball, football, and stuff like that. We're we're actually in Region Twelve for golf. Uh, it's what well, one thing I did notice about Region. I believe there's eighteen counties. It is much more focused on our area. There's you don't get too far away from Montgomery County. So I mean, if, if a county touches our, except for Clark County, but if you start moving east, a lot of our region is is, is built on those counties. That's good. That's good. Now, just I'm just curious. I've played a couple of the, the courses in uh, Clark County. Which course do, do they use as a home home field? They have a tournament at Winchester Country Club, and I believe they're also hosting another tournament. A tournament we're playing in at Gibson Bay. Okay, I've heard that's a really nice course. It I is. haven't played that one yet. We have a our our tournament schedule. We, we're playing some some very tough courses, very high quality courses, which again I think also breeds better golfers. You you want your golfers playing on the best courses you can get them. Absolutely. So, what is the best course around? I know that I know that our courses the you know the greens were pretty were pretty destroyed. And they're they're working on them, so we don't have a full eighteen open. True, and I, I was out there. I went out there Monday. I spoke with with, with Brad and, and Kelly, and, and I think I, I feel uh, very promising about the progress they made. They they put in a significant amount of work this spring and this summer trying to get that that course back where it needs to be. And I think, and I think, and I think it's going to succeed. Um, I'm really Good. looking forward to it. So, what is the best course around, in your opinion? In my opinion, the the best course that I probably played in this area. Uh, just Central Kentucky is Lexington Country Club. It, of course, it's private, but I played in a tournament there growing up. Um, I'm trying to think. If... I played at Houston Oaks a few years Houston ago. Oaks is, Houston and Oaks is great course. It's a long course. Great course. Yeah. I didn't score very well, but I mean, I played Yeah, because it. it's and a it's, long course. And it was nice. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Kearney Hills. Is great. You know, we'll play there. They just had the state am tournament there, so you know, it's a phenomenal course as well. Now, you don't think of golf as a, a spectator sport necessarily, but do you hope to try to get you know build up the build up the momentum and have the community come out and watch, especially the you know the home the home golf tournament? One hundred percent. We want as many people who want to come out and support us. You know, be out there. I think that helps the kids. It shows that the community is invested, but but it also it motivates younger kids. I want to be a part of that. You know, mom, dad, I want to play golf. So it just it, and it helps me. You know, the more interest that I can keep from the community and just golf in general and in our program, I think will help me. You know, five ten years down the road, just to kind of keep that pipeline. Maybe we can get an atmosphere like the Waste Management Open or whatever in Phoenix. Well, I mean, are, are we allowed to do that at the course? <laughs> you, you may have to talk with Brad. I mean, they <laughs> almost had it at the U.S. Open yesterday because when they walked up on the green, every I mean, that whole 18th green was surrounded there at the end of end of the the match. So but people wasn't yelling. That's true. That's what That's we want to do. We want to yell and one of our guys Literally. hits a hole in one. Let's throw Dr. Peppers up in there. That's so funny. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now because you threw me. You threw me off on that part of it. Well, like, let me let me throw something. In there. Okay. Something just kind of came to me while we were talking. I think you know a lot of people in the community underappreciate uh, how rich the history of amateur golf is over the last 30 years in this county. When you go back and you look at some of the success that our boys' high school teams had, I mean, you've got multiple state champions, 
multiple teams to the state tournament, multiple individuals that are qualified for the state tournament. You've got multiple individuals that have gone on to get B1 scholarships, NAIA scholarships. I want to harness all of that and bring it together to create a program that lasts longer than me. I mean, we have a young man currently playing at Morehead, correct? Yes. Um, you know, I can remember being there the day that, that our last state title winner was Bryce Walker. I, I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade that year, but I remember being there and watching him play in that final round. I can remember the last hole with detail. It's, he, he comes in the last hole. He's in, he's in the second to last group. He's up by one. You know, the guy who's one stroke back is in the group behind him. He's probably one of the best players in the state at the time. I can't remember his name. It's par five. You know, Bryce has a, a wedge into the green for his third shot. Just chunks it. Leaves it maybe 40, 45 feet from the hole. He's on the green facing a 45 foot putt. The guy behind him, one stroke back, he's got a, maybe an iron into a par five. And Bryce just nails it, makes the putt. The guy behind him hits it out of bounds. Bryce wins it. But what I remember most about that is when it was over, I remember Bryce hugging his mom, and I remember him saying, we did it. And I may get a little emotional. Well, that's all right. Because as a golfer, I knew what he meant. I knew the time, the sweat that goes in to getting to that moment. And I knew how much it meant to him. You know, and I want to be a part of that journey for the kids here. And, you know. Yeah. To me, to you know, to, to to try to help a kid get there and to be a part of it, and to when you see a kid work hard and get there and and find that success, and you see that that light go on, that look in their eyes, like that, to me, like that's why yeah. I want to coach. Awesome, well, coaches. We wrap up here. First of all, thank you for coming on the show. Two, I, once again, I think that Montgomery County has made the right decision and, and hired the right guy for the job because you cannot, you cannot duplicate, you cannot create passion or emotion. We have talked about emotion on this show since day one that me and Neil started recording this. It's sports and wrestling because we started out as a wrestling podcast. It's all about emotion. And you gave me the goosies there talking about that because you can't teach that. You cannot teach the love that you have for the game and for these kids that are coming up. So I'm all in. I hope you have great success. Our, our goal would be to have you back on the show um, at some point throughout this again. And, uh, you know, one other thing we just wanted to know, what uh, are, are you, have you taken over the social media platform and where do we, are you on Twitter, Facebook? What, where can we find you guys at? Montgomery County Boys Golf on Facebook. If you are a player or a parent or know somebody who's interested in following our team or wants to play, follow that page. Any announcements upcoming as far as tryouts go will be there. Okay, and that's on Facebook? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. Well, again, Coach, we uh really thrilled that you're you're on board, and you know we're glad to have you Absolutely. join us tonight. It. And we look forward to the opportunity to talk to you as the season goes on. I'll be back. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And that was Coach Michael McCormick, uh, Montgomery County Boys Golf Coach. Uh, we just wanted to get him on with a little special edition there, just simply because 
He just got hired, and uh, we wanted to make sure that we got the opportunity to talk to him. And Listen, man, what an interview! What? Did, well, we are pretty good about new hires. We're 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 the leader in getting these people in. Well, you know that's kind of our thing, right? Started the started this whole coaches show uh, with getting Coach Mays on, and uh, I mean, if you can't tell, the, the the dude is passionate about what he's getting ready to do, and I think that's. I think that's great for our, our our golf team. I think he's going to and 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 I'm saying this and I, and it may already be there because we talked about uh, the longevity of the program, the sustained success, the sustained success. He's going to continue that success. Uh, going to build a sense of pride, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it would not surprise me at all in the next five years if we're not talking to a head coach who's had a state championship. Winner. Well, that's definitely his goal because yeah. he, you know, he mentioned. I mean, he was quite young the last time that we had a state winner, and uh, I think it's kind of his his drive right now. And I, I, man, I tell you what, we've talked about it a lot on the coaches show, and we won't stay on this very long. But Montgomery County is in a really, really good spot in sports right now, and and Austin Maples is killing it. He is. He has made several. Yeah. Several good hires. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he listening to him talk made me rethink: do I, do I really want? Do I not want to apply for that girls' bowling coach now? Hey, I mean, if you can put your knowledge back into the youth to create another generation, why not? Well, and you know, and that's as, kind of where I am. Well, yeah. and as uh, as Coach McCormick talked about, and you've mentioned, it's all about getting. The youth involved. It's yeah. getting them younger and younger because, as you said, you can't have somebody come sophomore year like, "Hey, coach, I think I'd like to wax some balls." Yeah. So we're going to. <laughs> I knew that'd get at him. I knew it would. I knew it would. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we got Katniss Everdeen sitting over here. How you going to do that to me? But uh, I, I knew it would. I, I, the only thing worse was that he wasn't taking a drink because Dr Pepper would have went <laughs> everywhere. So, but. It's we have to give opportunities to kids yeah. uh, to get involved in these sports. Young, I mean, they have opportunities in football. They have opportunities not early enough in football, but there's opportunities in football. They have opportunities in football, not just not being Montgomery County. There's opportunities in basketball. There's opportunities in baseball, softball. Yeah, not volleyball. But there's more sports in the county than just those three. Yeah, you know, we found out a couple of weeks ago there's opportunities for swimming. Yeah, but you know, soccer. There are opportunities for that, but. So, I mean, golf's not there, volleyball's not there, bowling's not there. So, we need to find ways to get the youth involved there. I mean, you mentioned swimming. And and this is this is what you get for – would you consider Montgomery County to be a rural county? You know – It's borderline, right? Listen, coming from somebody coming who from rural. is from West Virginia, I crack up every time we have one of these coaches and they talk about how small of a school this is and how it's a rural country – County yeah. and I'm like, y'all, y'all ain't seen rural. Like y'all got a Walmart. Right. You got stoplights. <laughs> like right. stoplights, not lights. just stoplight. Listen, uh, no joke. You get off the interstate to go to my parents' house. Get off exit one. Drive back into Holler. You well, you get off exit one in Canova. You're on that road for 45 minutes. There is one light. When you get to that one light, you are still 20 minutes from my parents' house. But like. There for a while, that's how we told people if they were coming there. The yeah, they were. I was like, you're going to think you're lost. When you get to the light, you've got about 20 minutes to go. Yeah. That's crazy. When you think you're lost, you're almost there. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Well, the reason I, I say that is, uh, Craig, the, the, the guy that we just recently hired, in Lexington, they they have, you know how like we have the little uh, Gator League here or whatever? Their, their community, their uh, neighborhoods have swimming teams, and they compete in a league thing, like neighborhood versus neighborhood. Yeah. They have these swim meets. And there's hundreds of kids in these in these things in all different classifications and stuff. And so, like, they have swim practice every day. And then on Wednesday nights, they're competing against these other neighborhoods. And I'm like, they're so far advanced. Like, they got kids that are from four years old to seniors in high school yeah. that are competing in these things to the point that they have kids in their in their thing that are, that are going to – to college on swimming stuff. So if you remember a few weeks ago when Austin was here, he talked about wanting to get into a league and Lexington schools didn't want us and the Eastern Kentucky schools said we wasn't Eastern enough. And I mean, that's just how it we're is. Kinda like, we're kind of in between. We're right there. Just, we're, we're not yeah. rural Eastern Kentucky. We're not hey, metropolitan Lexington. Yeah. We're just kind of Montgomery County. Yeah. And and it's a unique place to be. And I think it gives us it, – it allows us to have some unique opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, I'm, I'm going to bring down the mood of the show for, for, for a minute. Okay. Adam. Yes. What about your boy Huggy Bear, man? Listen. Whew. I knew we was going to go here. I, I mean, but, but, but we had to, right? We had to. This is such a sad end to a great career. To a Hall of Fame career. He, the image, and I shared it with you all, the moment of him on the floor with Deshaun Butler, you'll not find anybody more passionate and about he, his players. And he was holding him. Yes. Because Deshaun, Deshaun Butler had, was crying in pain and that his career was over. Torn ACL. And he had, at that point, maybe still had played the most minutes yep. of anybody ever wearing a West Virginia jersey. And he, I mean, he just, gosh, if you haven't seen the moment, you have to look up because he just took his head in his hands and just and, held him because yeah. that's all he knew how to do right. at the time. Was and, he, and, and I'm sure he just told him it was going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be all right. And there, there's been players come out like over the last few days and just talk about how much they love Bob Huggins yeah. for who he is as a person. And now, obviously, he has questionable choices. Yeah. You know, my question is, though, we talked about this a little bit. What the heck was he even doing driving it? Like, when when he partakes in what – there were garbage bags full of empty beer cans in the car and in the trunk. And he thought he was in Columbus, Ohio. And the fact he, he thought he was in Columbus is not good. And the fact that his – Driver's side door was open. And the tire was blown And out. the tire, not blown, shredded. Shredded, yes. And they asked him to move the car, and he couldn't do it. When you partake in things like that. At a Taylor Swift concert, allegedly, because it was a few blocks past the Taylor Swift concert. What the heck is he doing? Like, drive. Like, why is he ever in the driver's seat? Let's call it for what it is. The Pitt Panthers set him up. They knew oh Bob Huggins was there. <laughs> And they was like, you know what? We're tired of this old man beating we're us. We're tired all of this the backyard time. brawl. We're, we're, we're gonna finish. We're it. tired of him beating us. Do you think Let's the narrative changes if he's thirty miles down the road? If he's oh, in West Virginia, he doesn't lose his job. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think the West Virginia State Police pull him over. They realize who it is and drive him home. They call somebody and say, "Hey, you need to come get coach." Yeah, 
who knows how many of those because uh, he's an alcoholic right yeah he's always been a, it got him in trouble at Cincinnati and that's what ultimately fired yeah. him at Cincinnati I mean but West Virginia didn't have a choice in this situation not six had weeks it, not, after the yeah, no. states had it only had been it only this, been that no big deal but right. six weeks after well and it's also a brand new ad we you talked about that yep and and he said zero tolerance after that incident. Right. Well, and, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you all. I'm sure you've seen it. But now, the way it was portrayed yesterday on on uh, what I was seeing Sports Center wise was you can't trust those liberals where, up where, in Connecticut where they had changed the contract. It was basically a year to year thing at that point. Yeah. And there was a lot of speculation that this was going to be his last year anyways. Well, and this is arguably the best West Virginia team he would have had. Which, like people are projecting them to yeah, win the Big 12. Which they're, which West Virginia's already said, it's going to be a national search because of that situation. They've got some talent. Hopefully, they don't all start transferring so out. Today, West Virginia pulled one of their trump cards out of their back pocket. They had Boston Celtics head coach Joe Mazzula and Cleveland Cavs GM Mike Gansby, or Gansey, who was really good. Both are really good West Virginia basketball Joe players. Joe Mazzula's a West Virginia guy. And they Zoomed the players to encourage them, hey, stay put. They're going to hire the right guy. So do you – Joe Mazzula would be a really good one. I think Joe Mazzula would be Boston's a really good one. Boston's not going to fire him. No, they're not. But No, but he might go home. Could West Virginia tempt him? No. You don't think so? No. I'd probably they're, go there. They're not going to give it to one of the one of Bobby Huggins' boys, though, right? They're going to go different directions. I am seeing a lot of talk about John Beeline coming back. That would be a good hire. Where's he at now? Nowhere. Nowhere. And like one of the the what got this whole thing? He was started. there prior to going to Michigan, right? Yes. And what got this whole he, thing he started? Was in, he, he was uh, that was a, a joke. The Cleveland six weeks in Cleveland. What got the whole thing started was one of the insiders I follow on Twitter, I'm sure was drunk, and just messaged Patrick Beeline, John's son, and was like, hey, we need your dad back. And he, Patrick responded with laugh emojis like, no, but seriously, like, what do you think it would take to get your dad back on the sideline? And he said all West Virginia would have to do is call. And that kind of started the wildfire. I mean, but what, did he have a history there other than just the coaching that time? Did he play there or anything? I don't think so. I think he was just coached. He coached. I can't believe he's not coaching somewhere. He coached the Kevin Pitts snoggle team. And Mike Gansey was on that team, too. It was good. I think he coached Missoula. No, Huggins coached Missoula. Huggins coached Missoula because Jimmy Butler was uh, the one that ended his career. Yep. But so I guess, but they're kind of between a rock and a hard place because. They're not going to get somebody that's already no. hired. So here is exactly what I would do. I would reach out to Beeline. Just give him this one-year deal to say, hey, we need you to be the bridge coach. Right. Like in wrestling, you have a bridge champ. This is the bridge coach. And then after the season's over, depending on how it goes, maybe Beeline's your guy. Or maybe then when everything kind of resets, that's when you start your search. He, he comes in and just – Settles things. Yes. Well, I we, mean, we, we, we know we have talent. We yes. know we have. And we know you can coach. We know you can coach. Yeah, because, I mean, Beeline's the – he's the one that took Michigan to, you know. Two Final Fours, one national championship. Yeah. He was the one that took West Virginia on that magical run with the Pitts novel. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's a really good. That was call. the year. Uh, that the, was the year Francisco Garcia. At the biggest yes. difference is, in the NIL stuff is is really big now. That wasn't there when he was in Michigan. But West Virginia, I don't know how, but they're handling that really well. Yeah. Like even on their football, the transfers they're getting in, it's one hundred percent NIL. The commits they get, they they have a. Uh, Country Roads Trust is what it's called. <laughs> and like Pat McAfee and a few other big names are the ones yeah. behind it. Pat McAfee's a pretty big name to have behind well, it. Well, right and now. you know, here's, here, here's the thing. One thing you, as they talk about Bob Huggins when he, when he told the players, it was highly emotional. Oh, they Play, said players, coaches, players, coaches, and anybody in the room was crying. Yep. Uh, so the one thing Bobby Huggins' career was missing. Was that national championship? You add a national championship to Bobby Huggins' career, and Wes isn't going to like this, but he's John Calipari. You put a national yep. championship with Bob Huggins, and he's John Calipari. And he would have had that title if Kenyon Martin had Kenyon got Martin, hurt. the best team in the country. Yep. Nick Van Exel was on that team, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and it would. Nick Van Exel was already in the league. Was he? I promise you. I think he may be right. Uh, no, I am right. But yeah, there was nobody else on their level that Demar year. Johnson, I think, was the number two guy, and he just wasn't a. When Kenyon Martin, who was hands down the number one player in the country, and he got hurt like in the first round of the tournament, right? I think it was the conference. It was the conference. Was yeah. the championship the conference yeah. tournament? Because it was iffy whether he would play in the tournament at all. Yeah, yeah. He did he break his leg? I think so. You were right. It is Demar Johnson. Mark Johnson. Uh, I think they went. They won one game in the NCAA tournament. And I think they got beat the second round. I don't remember. Yeah, because they had the number one seed, so they, they were number one overall. Yeah. No, so, but uh, it's a it's it's an awful end to an otherwise. I mean, he's had he's had issues following him all around. But I mean, he changed college basketball. Just look at just look at the tires that coaches wear. He he got. If he would have walked out in a set of pajamas and house slippers, <laughs> no, everybody would be like, oh, that's just Huggy Bear being Huggy Bear. No big deal. It's fine. Uh, so. Yeah, you, you didn't see him wearing no suit and ties. Well, you did it. You did it in Cincinnati. Yeah. When he got when he got to West Virginia, it's like he kind of gave up on life. Well, at, at K-State, he still. I forgot he was at yeah, K-State. He went from Cincinnati to K-State, from K-State to West Virginia. I forgot he was at K-State. K-State's when he started loosening the top. Yep. And then by the time he got to West Virginia, it was sweatpants and pullovers. So, uh, but I just, I mean, we had to talk about Bob Huggins. Had to. Yeah, I mean, for once, it it was news that broke prior to us recording. So then what's going to break after we record? Who knows? Yeah. Mike Krzyzewski's coming out of retirement to coach the West Virginia Mountaineers. You would lose your mind, wouldn't you? I really would. Like, you like, would. I don't even know how I would react. <laughs> <laughs> you you would have a new favorite basketball team. It would no longer be the Dukies. Uh, it'd still probably be Duke. Coach K at West Virginia. Look, I've been through this before in football, though. Like, I went through a time when Brett Favre retired with the Packers. I had to like mentally prepare. Like, am I a Brett Favre fan or am I a Packers fan? Because he was the only quarterback I knew. Hey, look, I know people that were that way with Peyton Manning, and when he moved, 
they quit rooting for the Colts because they ultimately were Peyton Manning fans. Yeah, and I mean, I've got a cousin. He's a Tom Brady fan. He's a Patriot fan. They went to the Bucks. We got a co-host who's a Tom Brady fan. No, those were Mason's jerseys. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, West just grew out of them is all it was. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so changing to a different subject. Yeah, different sport too. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Major League Baseball has decided they're going to be all righteous. Well, not righteous. Definitely not righteous. They're making up their rules as they go right now when it comes to political stances. Is it a political thing? Well, I mean, let's let let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Okay, we are in the month of June. June is Pride Month. Yeah. It's also Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. It is also that. We uh, because it's Pride Month. No, we we also have <laughs> the LA Dodgers have been hosting. I think maybe their third Pride Night of the year already. I believe the but I believe I heard it was eleven. Oh, is it already eleven? Yeah. Okay, I was way off, just a bit outside. That is in California, though. It is, but we have players now that are taking stances that. I'm not going to participate in this. And by appearance, again, we're not a political show, okay? But by appearance, it makes it look like whenever players come out and say that and it doesn't fit the agenda that the major league or the professional association is pushing, that then there's automatically backlash on these players. So, you know, I, there was a hockey player the other day, Ivan something Russian is his last name. He is a Russian Orthodox. He said that in his interview. And he said, so he plays for the Philadelphia Flyers. The Philadelphia Flyers hosted a all-inclusion night. Every, hockey is for everybody. Okay? And... They had their pride jerseys and they had pride sticks, and he did not partake in it. And it was just during warmups. Just during warmups. Yep. He said, "I'm a Russian Orthodox. It's against my religion. I'm not doing it." He had. I, I sent you all the link earlier. He had a radio host just berate him, and then say that the NHL should find the Flyers a million dollars. And that it's it was his like if you're gonna do a night like that, that everybody has to be in it because you gotta do it right. Nobody can go against it. And he's he said, I fear people who say they can't do something based on their religion. Well, that don't make any sense. So Chris Jackson, back in about '91 started reading some books, decided he was going to be Islamic. He was going to follow the Islam. He was going to be of the Islam faith. Mad Mood Abdul-Raouf. And he started, listen, Colin Kaepernick wasn't the first one to kneel for a national anthem. Nope. Okay. Mad Mood Abdul-Raouf was not the first one to start kneeling for a national anthem. You know, it started, the first thing I can think of is the uh, the athletes on the Olympic pedestal. Carl they did, Lewis. They did not kneel, but they had they put the they put the one black glove on and put their uh, you know their fist in the air. 
But I say all that to say, like, there was, like, people said stuff about it. But do you, like, was there such a backlash? That, I mean, think about recent times. People weren't standing for the national anthem. You had, you had, you know, average Americans that were like, ah, they ought to be standing for the national anthem. But you never heard your sports commentator say that. But there, there are people today that quit watching professional sports when that transpired and have not watched it since. Right. Even though the whole NFL kneeling thing lasted for three weeks. As soon as the as soon as they stopped giving it attention. Yeah. As soon as they took the national anthem off TV, mm-hmm. nobody paid attention anymore. Right. And I mean, um, What's the was it Villanueva? Yes, the Steelers. Anthony the Steelers. Villanueva. Yeah, I mean, stood by himself. He would, and because, he was but a he was a vet, yeah, right, he was yeah. a veteran, and the players and the coaches said, "You're not going out there, are you?" And he was like, "I fought I for that play. To. Like I fought for that. Like Pat Tillman. Can you imagine Pat Tillman who gave up an NFL career? If he'd have been in the NFL locker room and some coach been or some player been like, "You're not going out there for that, are you?" Are you kidding me? Probably guilty. It's <laughs> like, but we're not. You said something earlier about we talk about First Amendment rights and you know your your freedom of speech and well, that's only okay if it fits narratives. If you yeah. agree with a certain narrative, freedom of speech all you want. You do you, boo boo. Yeah. Well, we talked about this last year on the show. When the race players, when the, the, there was like two race players last year that did not want to participate in it, and they got roasted in the national media, yep. right? Well, this year it was five uh, of the race players, and it's like the rays are like, we don't care, we're not listening to you, we're still going to do this, right? Because the baseball is for everybody. I, what? How did the guy from the Toronto Blue Jays? That whole thing swept under the rug. He stood up for his beliefs. They released him. That's that is a lawsuit. Like I like you. You you cannot, cannot be discriminated against. You just discriminated, and I yes. mean, of course, they're going to come out and say it was something else. But no, you released me after I said what I said. Yeah, that's and, discrimination. And, and then so and national media went crazy on it, and I was like, surely to God, they're not going to do this, and they did. They did. They did, and. You know, um, you started out talking about the Dodgers thing. Well, there was a protest the other night because it was the 11th time that they've had Pride Night this year. And this particular one had men dressed up as nuns. Anti-Catholic, drag, trans, whatever you call it. I don't know. I mean, that that made uh, Clayton Kershaw mad. And he came out and spoke out against that. And when you listen, Clayton Kershaw, if you had to put a Mount Rushmore of Los Angeles Dodgers, yeah, Clayton Kershaw's on the Mount Rushmore. Yep. Yeah, he's one of the greatest Dodgers of all time. Yeah, like, and I think Clayton Kershaw feels like enough is enough. Right. Like, I don't. Yes, baseball's for everybody. Hockey's for everybody. Basketball, like, it's for everybody. And it always has it's been. Always has been for everybody. <laughs> Whether or not you're straight or bi or whatever other initial you, that there is. You know, I've been to a lot of these sporting events. 
I, I take the boys. I've I've been a lot with my dad. Never once has it came up in conversation to the person sitting beside me what their sex was, what their religion religion was. Nothing. We are there to watch a ball game. But how many times something cool happened and you high five a complete stranger that you don't even know? Exactly. Right? Or I mean, you hug. Like I mean, it's that's what sports are. It's, it's the emotion. It's the ultimate unifier. Yeah. It brings yes. people together. Except mainstream media is trying to use that to divide people. Yeah. It's like what what is really going on? I can here? think. And if if there's more, tell me. I can think of two significant things that happened in our society that sports brought us back together. Number one was the earthquake in the World Series between the Giants and the A's back in the early 90s, 89. I don't remember. I know when you're talking about Yeah, but I don't remember. I mean, we didn't have the World Series because, or for a little bit there because, you know, that, that area was hit by devastating and, but the World Series kind of, it got back to it. It brought everybody back together. And number two was 9-11, right? The WWE, who everybody frowns upon, you know, a lot of people frown upon wrestling. But we've watched that show a million times that Vince McMahon said, we've got to get people back together. And so they went out. Well, and and, and Willie and Garcia singing that anthem. Yeah. Still, still gives me the goosies. But yeah. One of my favorite is our president, George Bush, throwing the first pitch out yep. at, at Yankee Stadium. Yep. Without security around. Without, like, listen, like, that's emotion. Like, nobody cared. Got the goosies. Nobody cared what your political affiliation was, what your sexual orientation was, what your uh, what your religious affiliation was. But we, we don't care because right. in sports – the reason we like sports is because it gives us two hours where none of that stuff matters. Right, right. It's two hours where it's my team against your team, and I want my team to win. I want your team to lose, and I and we're gonna have a good time ragging on each other and ha ah, ah, you know. But it's the ultimate unifier, and mainstream media. That's where the problem comes yep. back to. Mainstream media doesn't like and, that, and and it has nothing to do about. With sexual orientation? No, because sports are for everybody. Yeah. And they always have been. And they always will be. But yeah. just to show you the, the narrative, we have a man participating in women's sports, in swimming, and it doesn't get the backlash that players who say they can't wear a pride jersey. Yeah. And and I showed you all, I talked about the, the bit from Seinfeld, Kramer, with the AIDS ribbons. <laughs> yeah. Just put the ribbon on. No. No. You have to put the ribbon on. And he I was, have to. And he said, that's exactly, that's why, exactly why I don't want to. Yeah. And and it, so it's an AIDS wall. Well, you, I mean, we lived that in, in 2020 with COVID. Well, and it's like, it's an AIDS wall. He's there walking with the AIDS wall. And they look, you don't have a ribbon on. And he's like, I know, but I'm walking here. Like, I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm a part of this. Yeah. But you got to wear the ribbon. Why do I have to wear the ribbon? And that's where we are. It's like, America. I have that right not I to wear that, that ribbon. Right not to wear the ribbon. Yeah. Listen. We say every Sunday here, okay? Again, we're not a religious show. We're not a political show. We're a sports show. Iffy sports. We're a lot of random monotonous. A lot of random stuff. But 
We say we got to love people where they are, right? So yeah. they'll connect to who? Jesus. So I, I like just because you vote one way or you believe one thing or you like doesn't mean that I don't like you. That I'm still going to love you. It just means that I don't agree with what you do. And that that right there is something we have lost as society. If I tell you, Sean, that. Well, I don't like the way you eat Burger King. Well, all of a sudden, to the mainstream media, I hate Sean. You do, yeah, because I don't like Burger King. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, okay for I mean, you. Are wrong because uh, Burger King's delicious. I know, Bur- I know you like Burger King. That's the first one that came to my mind. But like, that's the thing. But I mean, what was it? Twenty was it twenty fifteen that we started? Like, that, I think that was the first year. That everybody started getting offended by everything that was done, uh, and it, and when it just was Trump elected sixteen. That's about when it started. Yeah, I mean, we had college campuses that had counseling classes because one man got elected president. We like we've gotten to a place where you know if you say something, you, we'll use Adam just now. You you made a jab at Burger King. I love Burger King. You obviously don't love Burger King as much as I do. So I don't like you. And because you said something that I don't like, I'm just going to cancel you. You're just going to get canceled. Yep. Your voice is going to be taken away because I don't want to listen to people who don't like Burger King. So we'll go to Twitter and say, at Burger King, uh, Adam Muncy said that he didn't like Burger King. And not only... Not only does it go that, Adam Muncy also said he didn't like Burger King. Eating Burger King makes you fat, it gives you bad skin, and it turns you into a reptile. He didn't say any of that, but that's the way it's flipped. And I promise you that Wendy's will get a hold of that and make it even better. Oh, 100%. Because whoever runs their social media is gold. Wendy's Twitter account lives to roast people. And it's the best. It is. But, you know, but you're right. It is. That's it. That, that's that's exactly where we're at. It is Pandora's box. Yeah. We've opened Pandora's box now, and there's no getting it back in. Well, I mean, we can hope to stop, like slow down what's happening. But what's next? I mean, we had an open we, conversation whether or not we would even talk about this today. We have already seen what's next. I won't say it on the air. We can talk about it off the air because it. It is a hot topic, and I don't want to go down that road. But like, there's si- there's already signs of what's coming next down the road. Yeah, and it's it's sickening, really. That's the only way I can. And you know, it. the sad part is, is you know, when it starts infiltrating into things that we enjoy, things that we like. Yep. That's because most Americans, we want to go to work. We want to do our job. We never want to go to work. Well, we want to get paid. We, but we know to get paid, we got to go to work. <laughs> yes. We want to do our job. We won't be left alone. We won't get paid. We want to come home. Mm-hmm. Leave us alone. You believe how you want to believe. You do what you want to do. Leave me and mine alone. Yep. But that's not good enough. They want to come and they want to come at you and yours. Yeah. So, or the good old fashioned cram it down your throat, right? To quit. Throwing it up in my face, <laughs> you know. And, Adam's tried to be an adult here, and, and I mean, this is a serious conversation. And you just said, "Cram it down my throat." Yeah, well, and you know. I don't, 
it, it, I don't want to say certain it, things it, because it, we it, got it, people in the room. So, right. but I mean, that's 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 where people are with it now. I mean, I don't know if you saw in the in the one section of it, the Texas Rangers are not partaking in this, and they never have apparently. Yeah, and and won't. <laughs> right, because people's like, well, baseball's for everyone, and you should do this, this, this. Not in Texas. Right. And the thing, like, most of the media will try to spend, oh, well, that's Texas. Of course they're not going to do it. Right. But, you know, it's it's a very interesting topic. Breaking news. Tommaso Ciampa has just returned to Monday Night Raw. And it looks like he did it during Miz TV, so... Miz is a jobber. Yeah, it's and, that, and, that, and it's that's funny. unfortunate. They were together whenever he got hurt. And left. That's that's unfortunate that the Miz and Dolph Ziggler are now the jobber opponents. Whenever, depending on if it's a face or a heel that comes back or debuts. Yeah. Anywho, moving on. Florida lost another recruit. They lost one, gained four. They had a pretty good Saturday after he. Unfortunately, so I'm he, glad that whoever cleared that up cleared that up. I think it was you. It was because I talked about this kid who's going to graduate a year early, and I was like, "Wait a minute, we're going to no, put a 15 two, two, two years, years early. We're going to put a 15 year old kid on a college campus because he was a 2025, and he has exactly. a 5.34 GPA, and he reclassed to 2023. And I was like, "How's that even possible? Right? How? Why? What parent is going to put a 15 year old on a college campus?" What I don't understand is is why Ole Miss? Lane Kiffin. Yep, but they already Lane. have three other quarterbacks. He's 17. He's not going to start this year. Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin is a quarterback guru. Also, remember what we've talked about. If he thinks the same way that we do, that Lane Kiffin's the next guy at Alabama, I'm going to go with Lane Kiffin to Alabama. Maybe. And... I'm telling you, Billy Knapper will be fired after this season. I don't think so. I don't think he will either. Jacob Hester also agrees with us. He thinks Billy Knapper's the right guy. Well, he's going to have to quit losing quarterbacks. Well, I mean. Wait, I mean, Graham well, Mertz is going to lead him to a four-win season. He's going to get fired. No, no. they'll win more than four games. Well, let's be real so. here. He wasn't left in the best situation at Florida. Florida is still probably – Three years off from being what Florida yeah. is supposed to be, but in today's football, you don't have that. You don't get you don't get three years. You don't get three years, especially in the SEC with two new with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. By the way, I wanted to, we didn't we don't have time, but I wanted to talk about we'll talk about that next week maybe the SEC schedule. Florida got hosed no, on that. Hey, did you see Alabama? In 2024, that schedule is brutal. Yeah, well, and Oklahoma's is too. Welcome to the listen, SEC. Listen, you want to talk about coaches that are out? Brent Venables is on his way out. He's yeah. not going to survive two seasons. Because and, you, you, and can't, you can't hire these defensive coaches. That's anymore. where it is right there. Yeah. It's an offensive game now, especially. You could go to the Big Ten and hire a defensive guy. Yeah. That's fine. You can't come to the SEC and hire, hire yeah. a defensive guy. If you don't have – which Mark Stoops is – Somehow an anomaly, probably because he coaches at Kentucky. And 
Liam Cohen is a genius. Liam Cohen is a genius. He's an offensive genius. Like, he really is. But by nature, Mark Stoops is a defensive guy. Yeah. And he's kept his job a really long time. Yeah. It's the the right school in the right situation. And, and, And I will go on record now, if he ever leaves Kentucky for any job, He's an idiot. Yeah. So, I saw something that said, or no, I, I was listening to college football radio the other day, and they said that Vanderbilt's like, wait a minute, we don't have Florida on the schedule anymore. We need an easy SEC win. Did you say the TikTok? It was on TikTok. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was like SEC changes or something. It was funny. Yeah. It was funny. And it, and they were, but the thing about it is, is like, Vanderbilt doesn't have a Vanderbilt on their schedule. You know, they are the supposedly win. Well, all I know is Kentucky goes to Texas in two years. And, I mean, I wouldn't mind going down to Texas, maybe watching Arch Manning's first game. We do need a road trip for that year. 16 hours by car. Oh, man. That's a plane flight. That's a plane Ten hours with West Drop. <laughs> well, that's that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right about that. So, real quick, I know we're not going to talk much on it. When we're looking Thursday night, who's the, who? Who's the top three picks in which order? Wemby, Brandon Miller, Scoot. I agree. I tend to agree. I know. I know the Hornets are bringing Scoot back in. It doesn't make a lot of sense. For Scoot to go to, unless they think Lamelo's going to leave, and I, I think I think Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller is the prototypical NBA six nine wing player that can shoot inside and out, and he's already showed he's got a lot and, of mental toughness. And both, the, yeah. yeah, and I think both the twins go in the top six as well. I did see Amir and Asur. Uh, I did see where um, it's. It's speculated that Scoot goes to Portland and then Portland moves on from Dane shortly. And that's happened. Dane and I think he's going to go to Miami. Yeah, he's going to Miami. Well, here's the thing, and I, and I hadn't heard this till earlier, or hadn't heard it this way. The reason Dane's been so hesitant to leave Portland, because he knows if he leaves Portland, he's going to get some real expectations. Because teams are going to go out and pay for yeah. him to help them win titles. I don't know that Dane's that kind of player. He does drop 30 points a game, though. Dame, I think he is that player. And you put him around a dog like Jimmy Butler, I think it's going to be good. That's still Jimmy's team, though. Oh, 100%. I mean, Dame would be the number two on that. And the Phoenix Suns did not get better. No. No. They gave up Chris Paul, Landry Shamet, and draft Multiple picks. picks. Yes. And, and some swaps. And just got Bill. And they got – and they're $161 million-ish. Three. Hundred sixty three. Hundred sixty three million yeah. on four players. And, and he's got four years left on his deal. It's over two hundred million. They're gonna they're gonna move on from eight. Like uh they have try. they have four starters for hundred and sixty three million and then they got Cam Cameron Payne. That's the only five they have yeah. under contract for the Phoenix Suns. So you're gonna find out the Phoenix Suns are going to be And the worst part about it is is Beal has averaged fifty games a season for the past three years. Yeah. So they already have Injury-prone Durant, and it looks like Booker's becoming that way, and now you trade it for another dude that hasn't had more than 52 games in three years. I think Chris Paul finally gets his wish, too, and he gets bought out by the Wizards, Wizards and goes to the Lakers. Signs with the Lakers. 
They said today on SportsCenter the Clippers are the team to watch. I think he's he wants, been there though. I think he wants to play with LeBron. I, the Clippers are are this close to blowing it up. Yeah, but they also have a new arena coming. They do, but I don't think Kawhi Leonard and and George are the guys that are going to bring it thing in. I think Paul George could. Kawhi Leonard cannot. He another guy that can't stay healthy. Kawhi has done it though twice. He has, but he but he got paid after the second time. And he hasn't been the same. And chance. once they get paid, it's all over. Yeah. Yeah. And also, what about the Cincinnati Reds? Hey, they are rolling. Half a game out of first place in the division. Sure, it's maybe the worst division it, in baseball. It, 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 say, well, is that AL, more about them or more about the division? No, the AL Central is probably worse. It is probably. <laughs> but, but it's it, close. It would be it, close. Yeah. Two really bad divisions. Uh, I was looking the other day, and the Cubs are like four or five games below 500, and they're three games out. A first, and I'm like, how is this even possible? Well, so the the next prospect for the Reds to come up is that Encarnacion Strand. He's a first baseman. He's they say first third, but he's a first baseman. But he's been getting some reps in the outfield. So, like, if you're going to go on and pull up De La Cruz, and you're going to pull up the guys, you, you go on and pull this kid up too. Like, go on, go all in. And I would expect them to be buyers. The GM has already came out and said they're going to be buyers. They're going to be buyers. Shane Bieber would look really good leading that rotation. Shane Bieber in the rotation, and that would help me out in fantasy because I picked up Gavin Williams from the Guardians, who's Triple A killing it right now. I uh, the Reds are at least giving and and some excitement to their fans for so, once. So they're Dale young. Cruz is unlike anything I've ever seen. He they're young. They've got guys that are playing for something. They're trying they're proven players. And I mean watching Dale Cruz the other day beat out that blooper that he slid, slid head in first, first into first on. Yeah. That's a different kind of dog. There. Yeah, I mean, it, went, it was like a ground ball to first base. And it was he beat a, the pitcher there. It right? was a blooper. No. Uh, the first baseman got it. Oh, gotcha. And the first baseman slid into first. That's right. Uh, but that you don't see many players make that play. Yeah. No, it it it's impressive. So I'm not a Reds fan. I'm not either. I enjoy you know dogging on Reds fans. This is fun to watch. Uh, yeah. I, I hope that they can stay in contention because it's going to make bet. The Reds are one of these teams that baseball is better well, when the, when they're good. And, and and talking about fantasy baseball, boom! They used to be one of those teams that you you felt comfortable going ahead and starting your your starting pitcher against them, and now you have to double think that you know because they're they are playing well. So they are also that, winning about three to one against the Rockies. So well, the Rockies the first, are bad. The first time they ever they've swept the Astros since twelve, I think. Yeah. So so speaking of since we're on the baseball talk, did you see the A's anti-protest that they sold out the stadium? Well, they didn't sell it out, well, but they had like a a is their largest crowd in years for yeah. the A's. It was a sellout. But did you see what Rob Manfred said about that? No, he's an idiot. He comes out and they ask him about it, and he goes, "Well, you know, I think it's good that they were just above league average in attendance that night. It just, you know, that was nice for those fans to show out. And it's like he's such you a don't jerk. have a flipping clue, do you? He's such a jerk. Like that just, owner needs to be gone. Just like at this point, go on and move them now. Yeah, go on and move them to Vegas now. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might as well. Yeah. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. And I mean, the Oakland A's fans, when I when, when they're talking about this, I mean, it's almost as bad as when the Colts upped and moved to Baltimore. In the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it, it's almost like you can see that transpiring in real life at this point. But Oakland has, they keep saying Oakland has had many opportunities to build a new stadium and they won't do it. And if that's the truth, but I mean, here's the thing. He's never put a team on the field to want, why would you want to build a $500 billion stadium or however much they cost nowadays if the owner has zero interest in putting a team on the field that will create money? But do we think that's going to change? No, nope. I don't. I don't either. I don't because, I mean, if he didn't want to put money into it when Billy Bean was there and they had the Giambis and the Tejadas and were this close to the World Series, if he didn't want to put money into it then, why would he do it now? Because they trade all of their great players every Hudson, year. Hudson, Zito, and who was the third pitcher? Um, I can see his. I don't remember the third pitcher. Hudson, Zito. Why do I want to say Houston Street? I know that ain't right, though. No, but he was the closer on that team. Oh, that's right. Um, crap. I want to say it starts with an M. Was it Mulder? Mulder. Yeah, that's Mulder. why I was about yeah. to say Mark Mulder. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a solid big three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and But, I mean, like I said, they didn't want to pay those players where they were literally on the cusp of the World Series a couple of years I mean, in a row there. Look at Matt Olson. You, yeah. you. Well, the Braves have racked up the last couple of years. Matt Olson, and then uh, they brought the, the catcher in, uh, Sean Murphy, this year, who's, I mean, top five in MVP voting right now. And the Braves have literally traded Nothing. nobody. Right. You know? So. Forget you, Oakland A's. It's sad. You jerk. It's sad because they're, they're a classic franchise, you know? Right. So, I don't know. It's disappointing. But anything else you guys want to talk about? It's been a jam-packed show. Yeah, it's been, been a busy show. You got a list over there? I could probably pull one up. I got some dice. By the way, I do want to talk about the 2003 draft when we get a chance in the next couple of weeks, the NBA draft. I learned something the other day that I thought was fascinating. That's the LeBron draft. It was, yeah. 2003 was LeBron? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was 06. No, no it was three. three. Four. This is good. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? <laughs> oh, man. I would say tune in every Thursday and Saturday to the From Corner to Corner podcast. And we will blow your mind as we have the hottest takes on the waves. On the waves? On the waves. The airwaves. The airwaves. Okay. Now, what would you say? I would probably say stop getting butt hurt about every single thing <laughs> that somebody says. Not every time somebody says something is it offensive. And even when it is offensive doesn't mean you have to be offended by it. For the love of Pete, let's just get back to... 
where we're not so easily butthurt over everything. Bring back paddles in schools. I mean, that would help. No participation trophies. I would say something that a local weather reporter used to say in West Virginia. Don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. <laughs> Get you out a lot of icky predicaments. <laughs> and by local weather report, I mean he would go live on Facebook like local legend here, Will uh, Keith does. Will Mack. Will Mack. Sorry. That's funny. So It's pretty good. All right. Well, another great episode as, as always. And, uh, you know, if you haven't given us a listen or a follow, or if you haven't given us a follow, give us a follow. And if you've got friends out there you think might enjoy the show, share our content to them. And, uh, you know, because we always got something new and exciting to talk about, for sure. Anyways, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Stay safe, friends. Cody, The MoCo Four Horsemen would like to thank you for listening to From Corner to Corner. Be sure to go out and follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. Whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on, be sure to go out and give us a five-star review. Thanks as always, and we look forward to seeing you next week.